You know, in the Song of Solomon, he prays in chapter two, catch for us the little foxes. And I think one of the little foxes that can creep in and ruin a marriage are the words we speak to one another. Absolutely. Because at the beginning, we are speaking kind words. We're speaking loving words. But then as the marriage progresses, here come the little foxes, a little cut here, a little jab there, a little bit of negativity. Yeah. And before you know it, that little fox has eaten up all the fruit right. in that vineyard. Welcome to the Focus on the Family broadcast, helping families thrive. John, there's a verse in Proverbs 16 that says, kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. It's true. Even when we're joking around and jabbing each other, that can be hurtful to the recipient. Uh, Every time I call my wife, Jean is so uh, joyful on the phone. She is an upbeat person. She doesn't answer like, hello, you're (laughs) bugging me again. It's always positive. And I complimented her on that the other day because sometimes I could be in the middle of something and I'm not always as sweet to her as she is to me. So I'm working on that. You can hold me accountable. Dina calls calls that in me business mode. You're in business (laughs) mode. That's right. That's exactly it. But today we do want to talk about the power of words and specifically a wonderful book by Sharon Jane's uh, The Power of a Woman's Words. And Sharon is a writer. She's former vice president of Proverbs 31 Ministries. Uh, She's a wife and a mom and has written over 20 books. As you said, Jim, this book that we're going to really zero in on today, uh, we do have it at the website. It's called The Power of a Woman's Words, How the Words You Speak Shape the Lives of Others. And I've got to say, I'm thinking through the lens of a guy. These are going to be really good uh, conversation (laughs) points for me to keep in mind. We want you to get the book, but I wouldn't put it on your wife's pillow. (laughs) I don't think I would do that. But think of another clever way to do it. But Sharon, welcome back to Focus. Thank you. It's exciting to be here. It's so good to have you again. And it's been a long time, but uh, man, the power of words. What a great topic. I want to start with the voicemail incident. You would do that. To I me, would. I'm going to put you right out there because I shared that with Jean as I was getting ready early this morning, and she loved that story. I think mostly because it connected with her heart. She, you know, it lived that in a different way. But share that incident with us. Well, I had gone on a walk with one of my neighbors in my neighborhood. We would. It was summer. We usually go about three miles, and we were talking about our husband's jobs and about raising boys. And then when we got to her house, she was talking about decorating and she was talking about paint swatches and fabric (laughs) swatches. And she said, you know, can you come in and and look at that with me? And I said, sure. And as it is with with girls, you know, I went in and the next thing I knew it was 10 o'clock and I thought, oh my goodness, my husband Steve is going to be so worried about me. I'm going to call him and let him know I'm at your house and that everything's fine. Well, I called home and the voicemail picked up. And I will tell you, at the time it was an answering machine. It was right before we had switched over to voicemail. And that just ticked me off a little bit. (laughs) And I thought, oh my goodness, he doesn't even care. It's 10 o'clock. And I left this message, very caustic. And I said, Steve, I called to let you know I was at Catherine's, but obviously you don't even care because you won't pick up the phone. And I hung that up and started walking home in the dark. And, you know, the way a woman's mind works, I'm sure you've picked up on this. (laughs) I went from 
he didn't pick up the phone to he doesn't care where I am to he doesn't even love me anymore. Right. So, the so, ruminating yeah. is quite amazing. <laughs> and then I, I saw him coming. He was riding on his bicycle and he said, where have you been? I've been looking all <laughs> over for you. And I was like, oh, you do care. He said, what are you talking about? And I'm like, oh, never mind. So what was the first thing I did when you gotta, I you gotta went get to in the that phone. house? I went to the, to the phone and erased that voicemail, of course, before he could hear it. Well, two days later, he called me from the office. He said, have you listened to the message on the voicemail lately? I went, no. He said, use your cell phone, call the home phone, and listen to it. So I call the home phone, and this is what it says. A little sweet southern voice. Hello, you've reached the Jane's residence. We're unable to answer the phone right now. And then it switched to this. I called to let you know I was at Catherine's. I thought you'd be worried about where I am, but obviously you don't care because you won't pick up the phone. And then the sweet voice came back on. At the sound of the beep, oh. we'll get back with you. Well, that was almost like a God intervention. Oh, my stars. You know, and I called the phone company and said, what in the world happened? Well, I'm in the South. It was the summer. We had a thunderstorm. Lightning apparently struck our house. Okay, so it was it, a God thing. It was a God thing. <laughs> and it got those two messages combined. And I'm like, oh, I am so embarrassed. And in that still, small voice of God, I heard in my heart, God saying to me, and so am you know, and I wondered how many people had heard that. But it was such a reminder to me mm. as how quickly we as women can go back and forth between blessing and cursing. I mean, and just, a, and I don't mean swearing, I mean just saying positive words and saying negative words in, in just a few seconds. And That's how right. that was such a picture to me that I need to be careful with my words and how quickly I can go back right. between positive and negative. Yeah, and I so appreciate that. And of course, men do it too, and I get it. Um, we don't need that uh, correction if you're feeling like you need to email us about that. <laughs> because today we're just concentrating on the power of a woman's words because that's the title of Sharon's book. And I know someone's <laughs> out thinking, oh, you know, we're bashing women today. Not at all. Nope. Um, but I do, uh, I do want to highlight that how that resonated with Jane too. I mean, she has had a couple of examples, <laughs> something like that, and uh, that rumination, that catastrophication. I'm creating a new that's word. A good word. That's a good word. It works for me. You know, but making a t catastrophe out of something—that's because women, you know, their brains are wired. You guys are firing in every direction. Uh, guys, we kind of fire on one line. You guys are firing on a dozen. <laughs> and right. I think that's part of the reason is just our brain chemistry. But uh, why do we so often act like the person described in James 3? I mean, that's really it, where you mentioned it. On the one hand, we're blessing people, and then with the same mouth, as the scripture says, we're cursing people. Um, is that just sinfulness? Well, I, I do think it is the, the sin nature um, that can cause us to do that. I think also it can come from words we, we have heard growing up, hmm. how our oh, minds true. have been programmed, how our minds have been programmed to react to different situations. So we know that when we come to Christ, nobody pushes that that delete button for all those old messages to go away. And that's why we have to reprogram our minds with the truth. And not only that, but we have to practice to change the way we speak. And this is what's so practical about your book, The Power of a Woman's Words, because you, you start with an acronym THINK, and which I think is to help people think. What does THINK stand for when you look at the T-H-I-N-K? 
Well, that, this is an acronym that will help you think, again, think before you speak, but the T stands for, is this true? H, is it helpful? I, is it inspiring? N, is it necessary? And K, is it kind? Mm-hmm. Now, that is a lot to think about before the words come out of your mouth. It is a so, lot. It is. And there is a verse in Philippians also that is a very long sift to sift our words through to think about before they come out of our mouths. But if this is a good, the think acronym is a, a good way to look at our words, to, but we have to take the time to do that. And I think also we have to reprogram our minds, as I mentioned earlier, with this acronym so that our knee-jerk reactions and the words that come out of our mouths quickly can be become different. Yeah. But it's our responsibility to pray and practice, pray and practice. And that's why I have these lists in the book, so many practical lists, because these lists will help us to reprogram our minds and to practice saying these. There's a list of words not to say and a list of words to say. And we're going to get to those. But I want to build the background a little bit here because something you mentioned in the book, too, that uh, these things can start early in your life. And, you know, I come from kind of an Irish-oriented family, and this isn't, you know, disparaging at all, but we're pretty quick to cut each other down in a humorous way, and we laugh at each other and that kind of thing. But some of these patterns can get set early in your life, how you banter with your siblings, how your parents interact with you, et cetera, is uh, you know, joking at another person's expense, kind of the way your family operates. Uh, but you were impacted by the power of loving words as a young person. Uh, describe what happened and maybe both the negative aspect and then the positive and how it was like a drop of water to your thirsty soul. Mm-hmm. Well, let's let's talk about the negative first. Um, I was raised in a home where um, my parents fought a lot, both verbally and physically. And and when I'm talking about my parents in this negative way, you know, none of us have a standalone story. They had their own struggles with the way they were raised. My father was the youngest of six children. He was raised by a single mom. Wow. His dad died when he was five. Um, This was uh, on the heels of the Depression when they were struggling to survive. That was tough. Uh, My mom was a middle child of 12, raised on a farm. Wow. Um, That was tough. So they brought the struggles they had into the marriage. So we were not a standalone volume. My parents parents had struggles too. But they didn't really know how to do family or marriage. They got married at at 18, um, had two kids pretty quickly. And um, they fought. They were angry at each other all the time, it seemed. Um, They fought verbally and physically. So I watched my dad hit my mom. I watched her hit him back. And they used horrible words with each other. Words were basically a weapon Mm -hmm. um, in my home. And consequently, the words they spoke to their children were very harsh. I don't remember loving words from either one of my parents growing up. I remember instructions. I remember being criticized. I always felt as a child that I was just not enough. Hmm. I wasn't a good enough daughter. I wasn't smart enough. I remember going off to school and struggling with spelling. I was a terrible speller. And um, I remember my teacher making me wear the word T-H-E 
because I had trouble with the, I had to work for two weeks and my friends <laughs> oh, saying, what's wrong with you? Are you stupid? Aww. And um, so these words were ingrained in me and I watched how my parents responded to each other. And I had those negative words spoken to me and I felt like I am not enough. I will never be enough. Well, that sounds insurmountable. Sharon, I mean, that's a lot emotionally. It was a lot emotionally. But God, don't you love those words? Uh, yeah. Favorite words in scripture. But God didn't leave me that way. Uh, when I was about 12 years old, I started spending a lot of time on the next block with my little redheaded friend, Wanda. And she had a different family. They were happy. They hugged and kissed each other in front of the kids. I'd never seen that before. Right. Um, but here's the thing is that Mrs. Henderson showered me with positive words. She would tell me, you look so pretty today. Oh, Oh, I'm so proud of you for doing this. I'm so proud of you for doing that. And she told me about Jesus. And eventually I began to tell her what was going on in my home. And I would spend a lot of my nights at the Henderson's home. And then she began to tell me about a heavenly father who loved me so much that he gave his Mm. son for me. And you know what? My family, as bad as we were, we went to church on Sunday. But I had not heard that message. So I started hearing this message about God's love with me from this woman. And when I was 14, I was at her house one night. She asked me if I was ready to accept Jesus. That is a much longer story we don't have time for today. But I accepted Christ through this woman. And here's the miraculous thing. After accepting Christ through the words of this woman, I go back home into this violent family. Right. And that part didn't change. That part didn't change. But I was praying. My group of 14-year-old friends that were Christians were praying. And this is a story for another time, but I'll give you the cliff notes. When I was 17, my mom accepted Christ. Mm-hmm. And when I was 21, my dad accepted Christ. Wow. But where did it start? From the words of this one woman on the next block that changed a little girl's life. And those words eventually changed that mom's life and that dad's life. Well, and that's powerful. That's the whole point of the program, right? I mean, uh, the power of a woman's words. Your Mrs. Henderson was my genes, Mrs. Anderson. And she had that neighbor, too. She was best friends. And it was her friend Linda's mom who really poured into her, too just kind of accepted her for who she was and loved on her and gave her positive words, just like Mrs. Anderson did for you. And when we have children of our own, especially teenage children, they might have some friends that come into our home and we have a decision to make. They might not be the kind of kids we particularly want our children hanging out with. I'll admit, I don't think I was the kind of kid that I would have wanted my 14-year-old girl hanging out with. Hmm. But she looked past that. And we have that question to ask ourselves. Are we going to knock this child down who's already been knocked down by life? Or are we going to use our words to build that child up and help them to see the potential that they have? Some great encouragement to consider your perspective as uh, you're interacting with others. And uh, our guest, Sharon Janes, has this book, The Power of a Woman's Words, How the Words You Speak Shape the Lives of Others. Uh, do get a copy of this from us. Uh, the link is on your screen, or our number is 800, the letter A in the word family. Uh, Sharon, when it comes to words in marriage, you know, we talked about the power of being that child that received affirmation, words of affirmation, if I could say it that way. Uh, you learned a powerful lesson. I love the simplicity of this from your family dog. <laughs> and what did you observe that your dog could do that somehow you were struggling to do? Well, when my son was five years old, we gave him his first dog, um, Ginger, Golden Retriever. Hmm. And it was his 
pet, but I was the one who took care of it. But <laughs> of Ginger course. loved my husband more than anyone. So she had a very cushy life, chased a few squirrels every now and then, but mainly she would just lie around in the driveway. But it was so amazing, even though she was so lazy. <laughs> At 5.30, three blocks from my home, when my husband would turn the corner to come into the neighborhood, she would jump up. She had so much energy. She would run around in circles and whine. She actually would whine like, oh, he's coming down the street. He's coming. He's coming. The best part of my day. And um, <laughs> then Steve would come into the, the garage, open the door. They did this every day. Open the door. She would put her head on his lap. And he would rub her head, and her tail would whack, whack, whack the, the garage <laughs> wall. And it was just the best part of her day. And I was watching that, and I thought, no wonder a dog is called man's best friend. But, you know, when God created man and said it's not good for a man to be alone, he did not create a dog. He created a woman with words. And I had to ask myself, do I react to my husband the way that Ginger reacts, shouldn't I be a little bit more excited when he comes home from work? And it's kind of our joke now. Yeah, I bet. That, you know, I mean, I, I love the analogy. You know. <laughs> you know, again, some people, you know, they get offended by that. A woman is not, we're not saying that. You're not saying that. But it's the attitude, right? right. That's the lesson the that attitude. you caught was, wow. <laughs> yeah. And then let me ask you, I mean, did that change your behavior? <laughs> you observed this, but how did that translate into your mm-hmm. life toward your husband, Steve? Well, we actually had a conversation about it. I, oh, that was I risky. I brought it up. That I know, was risky. It really, oh. it's, it's risky for him. <laughs> risky know. for you. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of put it on the line. Well, that's true. And sometimes I get home after him, so it's not always him just right, coming right. home from work and sure. I'm sitting there eating bonbons, you know, waiting for him. So don't <laughs> think that That only that happens at occasionally. All. Not, <laughs> yes. not all the time. <laughs> no, because I, I work too. So, <laughs> But I said, when you come home, what what kind of response would you like you know from me and you know it's very simple just give me a hug don't tell me every bad thing that's happened in the day um, which, not yet not yet you know, give me give me a little time but just give me a stop what you're doing and give me a hug Aww. that's all he wanted and you know mm. now when I'm I might be upstairs working writing and I hear him come home and I just stop what I do and go and give him a hug it it's not a big deal, but that's what he wanted. And so that that had affected a little okay, bit. Okay, so I'm hearing in my ear, <laughs> you know, that, that spouse that's saying, well, you don't know my husband or you don't know my wife. She'll never change. She'll never change. What about that defeatist attitude when it comes to observing through maybe that love of a dog for its owner? <laughs> Um, attitude. How, how do we have hope for our spouses? And how do we express it in a way that's kind and encouraging? You know, I think it would be an interesting question if you do have a dog. Why <laughs> does my husband love that dog so much? <laughs> I, I mean, really, seriously, ask that question. The dog doesn't nag. It's always happy to see him. You know, ask those questions. But for that defeatist attitude of my husband is never going to change, um, you know, it's not my job to change my husband. It's my job to love and respect him, and it's God's job to change my husband. If we continue to to nag and try to change that man time and time again, because I've often heard a man marries a woman hoping she'll never change, a woman marries a man hoping that he will change. Mm-hmm. But if we're the, the kind of woman who continues to 
to nag and, and a lot of women don't see it as nagging but they can't continue to correct to try to make him better it it will eventually make him worse that's it, hard I, I agree with that mm-hmm. wholeheartedly but it's hard to understand that when you're in the heat of the moment and you're so frustrated yes it is hard you to think understand. it's the only way to do the right. correction it's not going it, to happen it's kind of like do the opposite yeah. and you'll probably get the better response right. people are more likely to change with positive encouragement than they are with with negative instruction. Yeah. One day I was at my mom's house, and you know, and I mentioned that my parents didn't get along and fought all the time. But I was looking for a, a pen in a junk drawer, and I came across a record. It was a record, a small record that my father had sent to my mother when he was in the Korean War. Oh, it was post dated 1950, and it was their first year of marriage. And in that, I listened to that. I put it on. I listened to it. And it was my father telling my mom how much he loved her, how much he missed her. Hmm. I mean, his voice was cracking with so much love and emotion. And I held that little record up, and I thought, how in the world did this happen? that a marriage that started out with so much love and affection end up with what I saw as a child. And we have to be so careful that that can be any of us. You know, in the Song of Solomon, he prays in chapter 2, catch for us the little foxes. And I think one of the little foxes that can creep in and ruin a marriage are the words we speak to one another. Absolutely. Because at the beginning, we are speaking kind words. We're speaking loving words. But then as the marriage progresses, here come the little foxes, a little cut here, a little jab there, a little bit of negativity. Yeah. And before you know it, that little fox has eaten up all the fruit right. in that vineyard. So that was an, that was a profound experience for me to find that record and to make sure I would, did not let that happen in my own marriage. Right. And I so appreciated that power of observation that you have. In fact, uh, there was a day you and your son were at an amusement park and you observed something there that really taught you a lesson. What happened? Uh, we were on a, a roller coaster type ride. It was called the the log flume, actually, <laughs> and it threw you down into water at the beginning. And honestly, I do not like amusement parks. <laughs> they are hot. They're expensive. Um, the the lines are too long. You and sound annoyed. I was so annoyed. <laughs> but more than being annoyed, I felt like such a good mom. <laughs> you know, I am such a good mom to bring this child to this amusement park. And I wasn't sure that Stephen knew what a good mom he had. Okay, here's an old tape getting ready to replay in my mind the little guilt trip tape. And I wanted to make sure he knew what a great mom he had. So I got ready to tell him, Stephen, you were so lucky to have a mom like me to bring you to a place like this. Who's going to put up with all these lies I'm and I'm serious. Yeah. Do you know what a great mom you have? So <laughs> I, I wanted to remind him. But before the words came out of my mouth, the Holy Spirit said, is that really what you want to say? Hmm. And every day has not been a Kodak moment. But that was. And instead, I put my arms around Stephen. And I said, Stephen, I am so lucky to have a son like you that I can bring to a place like this. Now, what happened there? By changing that just a little bit, hmm. he did feel lucky. He felt blessed and happy. And I felt blessed because I, in that one instance, changed the words that I was going to say. You know, what is a hoped-for outcome? when you say something to someone. The first words that I would have said would have made him feel guilty, Mm -hmm. like he owed me something for my kindness. But by changing it, he felt blessed. Yeah. Sharon, we're coming in for the landing, but I want to ask you to outline four steps to controlling your words, something very practical for the listeners. 
starting with rely on the Holy Spirit. Uh, walk us through those four. Well, the first thing we need to do is to rely on the Holy Spirit. Here's some good news and some bad news. The bad news is Scripture says that all kinds of animals can be tame, but no man can tame the tongue. Yeah, That's bad go. news. Yeah. But the good news is says um, that nothing is impossible with God. So while we, not, we cannot do it on our own, we can rely on the Holy Spirit to help us. The second thing is to examine our hearts. Uh, my country grandmother used to say, what is down in the well will come up in the bucket. Now, Jesus <laughs> so says true. what is down in the heart um, will come out of the mouth. But we have to examine our hearts, what is in our hearts. And when I say the heart, the Bible uses that word to mean our thoughts, our motives, our feelings, um, our characters, our seat of emotions. And we have to examine what is in my heart. The third thing is we need to renew our minds with the truth. Renew our minds with that acronym we used at the beginning of the broadcast. Is this true, helpful, inspiring, necessary, and kind? We renew our mind with God's truth. Toxic thoughts produce toxic talk or or toxic words. And here's the thing. We want to change our actions, but you cannot act differently than you think. So if you want to change your actions, it starts with the mind. That's why the Bible says it doesn't say change your actions right away. It says change your thoughts by the renewing of your mind. Then your actions will follow. And finally, retrain your reflexes. And this comes with prayer and practice. That's where we're going to put those lists up on the website. So you can have the words to look at and then practice saying them. And I want to say, if you are trying to get a hold of your, your tongue and your words... Don't get discouraged and give up if you still blow it. We're going to always blow <laughs> it. True. You know, I love the picture of Jesus cleaning out the temple. He cleaned out the temple in the beginning of his ministry. And then you know what? He cleaned it out again at the end of his ministry. He did it twice. And I think what happens is we clean out the temple. And then, you know, the, all those sheep coming back in didn't happen at once. Here come a few sheep. Here come a few cows. Here comes a little more sacrificing. Here comes a little bit more with the money changer. And it got louder and louder and crazier and crazier. And Jesus had to come back in and clean it out again. Mm. So don't get discouraged And if Jesus needs to come and clean it out again. Sharon, let's end with a powerful story uh, that you share about a third grade teacher who had no idea that her words changed a young man's life forever. Uh, share that story with us. I, I love this story, and I, I remember it often to help me to remember how important my words are. But there was a teacher named Maria, Sister Maria. This was um, obviously a Catholic school, and um, she had a class of kids that she loved in the third grade. But one of the boys, Mark Eklund, he was a talker, and she would constantly <laughs> correct him for talking. And he was so polite. He would always say, thank you for correcting me, teacher. But um, one day she was so frustrated, and she said, Mark, if you talk one more time, I'm going to put tape on your mouth. Well, so other kids were just excited to see if he would talk and if she would really follow through. <laughs> this was a time when you could actually do this. Yes. But he did talk. She went back there, put masking tape, but X across his mouth, and she looked at him, and he he winked at her. So she just couldn't stand it. She took the tape off and he said, thank you for correcting me, teacher. <laughs> uh, he was a delightful child. A nice guy. But, but then he went on to, to middle school and um, she was changed to middle to a middle school teacher and taught him math. And it was a concept that was really difficult for the kids. And they were 
they were just really tense and they were not talking kindly to each other. And so finally on a Friday, she said, okay, put your books away. And I want you to write down everyone's name in the class cross the down make a list now with that list I want you to write one nice thing about that student so they spent the time put one nice thing about each classmate then she took up the papers and over the weekend she wrote the name of the student at the top of the paper and then all the nice things that the classmates had huh. said about them well, many years passed, and she didn't hear anything about those kids again, Mark Eklund or the family. But as her parents picked her up from a vacation, um, her dad said, you know, the Ecklands called last night. And she said, really? You know, I haven't heard from them in so long. How is Mark? And he said, actually, he's in the Army, and he was killed in battle. Hmm. And their funeral is coming up in a couple of days, and they want you to come. Uh-huh. So she went to the funeral. She saw that handsome man in his military outfit, his military uniform in the coffin, and she thought to herself, I would give all the mask and tape in the world to hear him talk again. Mm. Well, after the funeral, they went to a farmhouse where everyone congregated, and his father said, I am so glad you came. I want you to see that this is what they found on Mark when he was killed in service. And he pulled out this tattered list that had been folded and refolded, and it was just dirty and soiled. And it was that list from middle school Mm. of all the good things. Wow. And as they showed it to her, some of the other now adults came up that were in his class and said, you know what, I saved my list too. Mm. One girl said, Chuck made me put his list in our marriage photo album. And another girl said, I have my list, and when I change purses, I change it from purse to purse. And another one said, you know, I think we all saved. Hmm. We all saved our lists. And what a profound example of the impact of positive words on a child's life and on an adult's life. Right, and that's the case of uh, a little teacher, a woman who had some powerful words. And sharing your wonderful book, The Power of a Woman's Words, there's no better place to end than on that story. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people keep it in their heart for sure, even if they don't keep that in their wallet. And that's your point. Um, you know, to speak positively, to speak godly things over people. And I just want to say thank you so much for sharing that with us. Thank you for being here. Thank mm. you for having me. And let me turn to the listener. Um, this is a resource that I think you need. <laughs> I know Gene and I are both going to read the book and uh, finish reading it. And I know you'll benefit by reading it as well. So get in touch with us. Uh, Join us in ministry here at Focus on the Family and make a gift of any amount. And we'll send you a copy of Sharon's book, The Power of a Woman's Words, as our way of saying thank you for standing there for others. Yeah, join our support team. uh, Donate as you can and get your copy of The Power of a Woman's Words when you call 800, the letter A, and the word family. And on behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.